Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everybody. It's great to worship with you today in person and online. So great to have you with us. Back in 1996, the state of Michigan gave me a driver's license. They told everyone, get off the sidewalks. He's on the road. They gave me a driver's license. And I'll never forget that first day that I got into my car for the first time. My 1989 Plymouth Sundance with a turbo engine. Come on. It's a classic now. Got into that car by myself. I thought I was so cool. I thought I had all this freedom. And I got in and I started driving by myself. It was exhilarating. There's something about driving a car by yourself. But back then in the late 90s, for some reason, people didn't want to wear their seatbelts that much. Even though it was a law to wear your seatbelt, you know what, we didn't really take it as serious as maybe some people do today. So for me, I didn't, I didn't wear my seatbelt very often. No, no, I felt constricted, I didn't do it. Even though it was a law to do it, I, I didn't think that I really needed to. There's something about someone telling me I had to do something in my own car that just made me not wanna do it a little bit, to be honest. So I didn't really wear it for a little while. And I remember one day I was driving with my buddy and we we're driving down the road and neither of us were wearing our seatbelts. And it was at night and all of a sudden those lights behind us started going. You know, the ones that make your heart skip a little bit when you realize you're about to get pulled over. And I got pulled over and I did one of these things where I thought I was so smooth at 16 years old. I, I reached up for my seatbelt and I kind of slightly pulled it down really slowly, and I, and I plugged it in. You know, I'm thinking I'm smooth, and the officer comes up next to the car, and he says, hey, can I have your driver's and re- registration? Sure, officer. He said, oh, I got a question for you. I said, what's that? He said, do you always put your seatbelt on after a police officer <laughs> stops you for not wearing your seatbelt? <laughs> Busted busted and I deserved it. But even that didn't really change my heart when it came to wearing my seatbelt, even getting pulled over, even that fear, even that rule, it just, I didn't wear it as much. Now, it became a law to wear your seatbelt back in 1984. And the reason it became a law was because 50% of Serious injury or death can be avoided in a vehicle in an accident if you're wearing your seatbelt. This is why people take it so serious. But for some reason, it still doesn't click. In fact, now they've even installed beeping in cars until you have that seatbelt clicked. You get in your car in a new vehicle, beep. I know some people who would rather hear that annoying beep than still plug in their seatbelt. I won't say any names. Could be here today. I'm not sure. Just kidding. 
But then something happened to me when I was a couple years into having my driver's license. Someone that I knew, loved, and cared about got in a serious automobile accident, was not wearing their seatbelt, and went through the driver's side window, and was seriously injured in an accident. And it took months just to recover physically and years and years of pain to rehab from that injury, both physical and emotional pain. It got personal to me all of a sudden. I realized something. It wasn't about a rule. It wasn't about a regulation anymore. It was personal now. And then a couple years later, I worked for the United States Post Office as a casual carrier driving around a little white mail truck. But in order to do that, I had to go through driver safety class. And in the driver's safety class, they spent a whole day talking about the importance of wearing your seatbelts. And there was a retired police officer who came and spoke with us. And he, he talked about 40 years of police officer experience, and he was the one who pulled up to the scene of an accident time after time after time. And he told us stories about how he would pull up to the scene of an accident and it didn't even seem to be that bad of an accident, but someone was seriously injured or even died because they weren't wearing their seatbelt. But how other times he pulled up to the scene of an accident where he thought for sure there would be a fatality, but the person was fine because they were wearing their seatbelt. And he said this line to me, and I'll never forget it to the whole class. He said, in 40 years of being a police officer and pulling up to hundreds of car accident scenes, I've never unbuckled a dead person. Wear your seatbelt. And I can honestly say that since that day, I wear my seatbelt. On occasion, I may forget. Thank God for the beeping to to remind me. But what was the difference? What happened? Why the change of heart? Well, the change of heart came because it got personal. Because a person was attached to this rule or to this law. It wasn't the rule. It wasn't the law. It wasn't someone trying to put fear into me that changed my heart when it came to wearing a seatbelt. It was the fact that it got personal, and a person was attached to it. We're in a series called Jesus, and the focus and attention is all about Jesus. And with all the craziness going on, sometimes it's easy to forget that Jesus is a person. He's not an issue. He's not a religion. He's not a regulation. He's not a system. He's a person. And he's not just any person. He was God in the flesh, living amongst us. That's who Jesus was. In fact, in John chapter 14, 
verse 6 through 11, Jesus answered, he says this, he's talking to his disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. This is Jesus saying to his disciples, if you know me, you know the Father. If you know my heart, you know who God is. I am him, he is me. And Philip, he's blown away by this. He says this, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Poor Philip, I feel bad for him. He thinks he missed it. Did I miss it? He said, I've seen the Father, but I don't remember seeing the Father. Can you imagine this guy? He's thinking, maybe I was asleep during one of those sermons. And God showed up, and I missed it. So Jesus, will you just show show us the Father again? And I don't really blame Philip for thinking this way, because to see God face to face in the old covenant was to die. You couldn't come face to face with God and live. It was too great. It was too powerful. And so Philip's like, things have changed, and I want to see the Father. Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And if you don't believe what I say, if you don't believe the words, at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You see, they saw some crazy things walking around with Jesus. They saw people who were sick recover. They saw the miraculous. They saw supernatural signs and wonders. But they also saw a love, compassion, and mercy that they'd never seen from any religious leader before. In fact, I can see why the disciples were confused about this. Because following Jesus was different than the religion they grew up with. They were all Jewish and they grew up in the faith. And they knew there were laws and regulations and they knew the Ten Commandments. But Pharisees lived a lot different than Jesus did. Pharisees separated themselves from the world. Pharisees would judge and rate people based on their level of sin. Pharisees would say, ah, that guy's kind of like a small to medium sinner, so maybe I can associate with them. That one's a large sinner, or that one's a supersized sinner. I can't have anything to do with them. You see, the Pharisees, they did everything they could to separate themselves from the world. 
You had to live righteous enough. You had to follow their standards. You had to believe in their God. You had to walk like they walked. You had to live like they lived in order for them to associate with you. Jesus was totally different. Jesus comes on the scene and he hung out with these supersized sinners. And this confused the disciples. Are you sure we've seen the Father? Like this isn't the God that we were taught growing up. God is mean and he he hides himself from people. Are you sure we've seen the Father in you, Jesus? Are we sure? I mean, you hang out with some pretty crazy people. You see, the Pharisees, they were experts in the law. I I find it interesting that God gave us 10 commandments in the Old Covenant, but by the end, when Jesus came on the scene, there was over 600 commands, 600 laws and rules and regulations you had to follow from washing your hands to the way you tied your horse, camel. There was all these crazy things. Man-made. And it was just overwhelming. And the Pharisees followed these and they ranked you based on if you followed them or not. But they lacked mercy. They lacked grace. They lacked love. And Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying things like, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. Jesus is changing the game. And Jesus is the very essence and presence of the Father. And so people were confused. One guy who was interested is a guy by the name of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Zacchaeus, man, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The story of Zacchaeus. And not just because he was like a short, good-looking, successful guy in the world standard. (laughs) But... uh, He really wasn't that good of a person, to be honest. (laughs) Not because of that. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And if you listen to Pastor Tony's message last week, he talked about Matthew, the tax collector. He explained what that means. He was hated. He was hated amongst his people. He was a Jewish person who worked for the Roman government. And he ripped his people off. So he was hated by people especially the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. They wouldn't even get in proximity to, them, to him. And so he was doing his thing. He was rich. He was successful according to the world's standards. And, and he had grown up in faith. He was Jewish. He grew up in the temple. He knew the rules. But I think with Zacchaeus, somewhere along the line, all these 600 laws and regulations and rules and how you judge people, I think it was just too confusing for him. And he walked away from the faith and he said, I can't live up to this standard, so I'm out. He's like, if I'm going to be out, I'm going to be all out. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to have it all according to the world's. Man, if I'm not going to have heaven, at least I'll have a great time here on earth. But then this guy, Jesus, 
pulls up on the scene and he's a religious person. He, some are even saying he's the Messiah. And he's performing these incredible miraculous signs and wonders. And the rumor is he even has a tax collector on his team. He hung out with a tax collector. This confused Zacchaeus. Aren't religious people, especially religious men of God, supposed to separate themselves from the world? So Zacchaeus was interested in this. And one day, he pulls up on the scene where Jesus is. And you got to understand, you got a person who can heal the sick. You got a person who's full of love and compassion and mercy, who's talking to people no one else would talk to. He had a big crowd following him. Zacchaeus couldn't get close. But Zacchaeus noticed in the crowd, these weren't just religious people following him. These were, there was a prostitute following Jesus. There were tax collectors following Jesus. There were people, notorious sinners, the Bible calls them, were following Jesus. And so he's like, I got, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out what's going on. So he goes up into a tree to see Jesus, climbs this tree. And Jesus walks by and he sees a man in the tree and he looks up there. He's like, this is odd. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of things. People have come through the roof, torn through the roof to get to me, but this guy climbed a tree. It's interesting. And he looks at this man and he says, Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. Now, we don't know if they had ever met before. Maybe they had. Maybe God just was having a word of knowledge or a prophetic word and knew the guy's name. I don't know. What I do know is the sweetest sound to any human being's ears is the sound of his or her own name. It's the truth. Because deep inside, there's this longing for us to be known. We want to be known. And Zacchaeus hears his name by the Savior of the world. Jesus, this guy, this famous guy who everybody's trying to get close to. He knows my name. Then Jesus takes it a step further. And he says, not only do I know your name, I'm coming to your house tonight. I want to come have dinner with you tonight. Me? Yes, you. Now Zacchaeus was already having a little get together that night. And I can just imagine him and Jesus walking up to his house. Maybe a little bead of sweat coming down Zacchaeus' mind because you know what he's thinking? Does this guy know how I paid for this house? I have a mansion. Do you know how I paid for this? Jesus, there's going to be a few characters at this party tonight, at this dinner, you might not be used to. 
You might see some people dressed a little scantily. You might hear a few F-bombs. Just so you know, I'm just trying to give you the heads up. You may not be used to this. And I can just see him maybe getting nervous. A man of God coming to his house. This doesn't happen. And when they walk in and he's giving Jesus the tour, does he know how I can afford to buy all of these nice things and have all these people? The meal he's about to eat, does he know how I paid for it? Jesus knew, but he didn't reject Zacchaeus. And the Pharisees couldn't believe this. Why? They said to his disciples, why would your teacher, your master, knowing what we know, why does he associate with sinners? In fact, one version of the Bible says, why does he eat with such scum? That's the way the religious people looked at people who didn't believe what they believed or live the way they lived, or walk the way they walked. They looked at them as scum, evil, horrible people who didn't deserve God's love or grace. Jesus is there in the middle of it, having dinner with Zacchaeus. More tax collectors, pimps, prostitutes, the worst of people, he's in the middle of it. And something happens that's so incredible. At the end of this dinner, Zacchaeus gets up in front of all of his guests and he says, that's it. I'm done. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm gonna follow him. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated. He was so changed in a few hours at dinner. Completely transformed. I mean, he was going to go broke. He was going to lose his home. He was going to because he cheated everybody. But he didn't care anymore because he found God, the real God, the authentic God, not the picture of God that was painted in his religious mind for so long, the real God. He encountered him. The person of God, Jesus. You know, I always wondered, I I always get bummed when I read that story because I want to know, I wish they would have put in the Bible the dialogue that came between Jesus and Zacchaeus. Like, what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus at that dinner that got him to switch? Man, if they only put that in there, then I would have more wisdom when I'm talking to people who don't know Christ. Like, why, God, why didn't you put that in the Bible? And the Lord revealed to me why this week. He said, because it wasn't about a conversation. It wasn't about words. It's about who Zacchaeus encountered that day. The person of Jesus Christ. 
God in the flesh. The presence of God. You see, Zacchaeus knew the rules. He knew the law. But what changed his heart? Wasn't a rule, wasn't a law, wasn't a system, wasn't guilt, wasn't shame, wasn't someone pointing out all his flaws. Wasn't fear. It was that God in the flesh, Jesus knew him. And when he encountered his love, mercy, grace, power, everything that's included, when Jesus said, I am in the Father, the Father's in me, he encountered God in the flesh, and it changed everything. Jesus transforms hearts. Not words, not live, not words, not actions, not talking, not conversations a lot of time. Jesus. He changes and transforms hearts and lives. He's the only one who can do it miraculously. It's encountering him. Sometimes, church, I think we would do better just to kind of get out of the way and show people Jesus. Here's a guy, Jesus. I'm flawed. I make mistakes. I don't always say the right thing. I don't always do the right thing, but there is someone who does. And his name's Jesus. And he'll change your life. That's it. You see, the one thing about God that sometimes we forget is that the sin of people arouses God's compassion not his anger. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save it. Compassion. Our God is a compassionate God who loves people, even the people that we can't figure out, even the people we deem are evil, unreachable, supersized sinners. God loves those people and he has compassion for those people and he wants to reach those people and he wants to use us to reach them. But really the only way we can reach them is by showing them Jesus. The clearest picture of Jesus we can show them. I'll never forget this one time I was meeting a friend here at the church about 15 years ago we were gonna go have lunch. And the two of us got in the car and we were driving. We were gonna go down Hall Road somewhere, so we took Dobry here, we headed east. And we're driving down the road and on the side of the road, I see a girl in her late teens, maybe early 20s, and she's standing over by the overpass of M59 and Moundish, right over there. And as I saw it, I saw, I thought to myself, that's strange. But I kept driving. And as I kept driving, I felt like the Holy Spirit, you never get, you get one of those nudges, you get those moments. I felt like he was saying, go talk to her. I'm saying, God, that's weird. 
we're two guys, this is a girl, like it's weird, I don't want to freak her out, I just, I don't want to do this, I don't know what's going on, so I'm like, I ignore it and I keep driving, but I can't ignore it anymore, it's there, it's nudging me. So I look over to my friend, I say, hey, did you happen to see that girl over there on the, by the side of the road? He's like, no, I didn't see her. I said, this is going to sound weird, but we got to go talk to her. And he says, this is a female? I said, yeah. He's like, you don't think it's going to be weird, two of us, just showing up and talking to this girl? I, go, I thought the same thing, but I, we got to go. We got to do it. So we drive around, and I'm praying that she's gone. <laughs> be gone, be gone, be gone. She wasn't gone. So we walk up to this girl, and she's not facing us. So I say, excuse me. She jumps and gets scared and freaked out and looks at us. But when she turned and looked at me, I had never seen so much pain, fear, emptiness, loneliness in a person's eyes in all my life. I'd never looked into someone's eyes like that before. And I said, are you okay? She said, no, I'm not okay. I said, well, what's going on? She says, I'm sitting here debating if I'm going to jump over this overpass and kill myself or not. And in that moment, I said, Lord, give me the words to say. I do not know what to say. You ever been in one of those moments where you're praying and you're going, I need the words because it's life or death right now. This is real. This is what it comes down to. Someone needs me. So I'm like praying in the spirit. I'm praying, God, give me the words to say to this girl. And I feel like the Lord whispers and says, just give her Jesus. You can't do anything. So I say to this girl, her name was Cindy. I said, Cindy, I have no idea what's going on in your life how you were raised, the trauma you've been through, what your life is like. I have no idea, and I'm so sorry you find yourself in this mess right now. I don't have the words to say. I wish I did. But here's what I can tell you. I'm a Christian. I'm driving down the road. I see you, and I feel like God, the creator of the world, wanted me to come talk to you. And he did that because he cares about you. And all of us are on a journey. I myself was on this journey. I was raised in a Christian home, but at 16 years old, I started straying away from my faith a little bit. I, my life felt empty. I felt voids, and I tried to fill that emptiness, and I tried to fill that void with everything I could think of other than God, and it left me feeling empty and lonely and sad and anxious and depressed. But then I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came into my life, and he transformed my heart. My life is not perfect now, but I have peace. I have something 
that I can't explain. I have fulfillment. I know that the God of the universe loves me, cares about me, and is walking daily with me, and you can have that too. I don't have any other answer but that. And if you've never tried it, I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And so we talked for a little bit longer. We prayed. And then I had my Bible. It's the only thing I had in my car. And this was like my study Bible. You know how we all have like that one Bible? Everything's underlined. You've written in it. You've used it over and over. It's like now the pages are kind of soft and pliable. And that was my Bible. I preached out of that Bible. I loved that Bible. And the Lord's like, give her the Bible. I walk up to her and I'm like, here's my Bible. And she puts her hands and she tries to take it and I hold on to it for a second. I understand. (laughs) And I give it to her. And I give her my card and tell her we have a church down the road. I've never seen her again. I don't know what happened to Cindy. I don't know where she is in life. But I know that that day was about one thing. It was about introducing her to the person of Jesus. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing I could do. But Jesus could. Church, this series is about Jesus. It's about getting our focus off of the issues in the world and getting our eyes back where they belong on Jesus. He's the only thing that's going to change things. He's the only one that's going to transform us. And guess what? We need it. I need it. You see, Jesus is obsessed with showing mercy to those who least deserve it. He's passionate about giving hope to hopeless people. He's committed to showing grace to the worst of sinners. And if I'm honest, that's me. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul was a pretty amazing guy. If he said he was the chief of sinners, I'm going to put myself up there. It's me. If I'm honest, I can get really good at minimizing my own faults and failures and magnifying the faults and failures of other people. But I need Jesus every day. I need his grace. I'm so thankful for his grace and love and mercy and kindness for me because without that, I don't even know, want to know where I would be or what I would have become. We need that. We need it. The world needs it. They need the person of Jesus. We don't need rules, regulations, and I'm not saying they don't have their place. They definitely have their place. But we need the person of Jesus. God in the flesh, his presence, because it's the only thing that's going to change us. And it's the only thing that's going to change the world. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that I know you. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the people in this room or who are watching that know you. We are flawed humans, but by your grace, love, kindness, and mercy, and compassion, we get to know you and walk with you, and thank you for that, God. But this morning, I pray for those who don't know you, who have never encountered a supernatural love, grace, and compassion, the kind that took Zacchaeus, the chief of sinners, the worst sinner, and transformed his heart in an afternoon. I pray for those. Lord, if there's anyone in this room or watching this right now, that's just longing for that love, compassion, and mercy, I pray they would reach out to you in this instant, in this moment, and say, God, I don't know everything, but I know I need that transformative power. I know I need Jesus in my life. We love you. We worship you, and we're so grateful to put the emphasis this month back where it belongs. I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh, King Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. Please have your way in our lives. Show us how to love. Show us how to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.